Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Yes. That's the reason you can't wait until the battle is over. You got to praise him in advance. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let us pray. Father, thank you now. Thank you now for this time in your presence. Thank you for your word that you sent to us this morning. Thank you that your word will not return to you void, but it will accomplish all that you desire. Thank you, Lord, that you'll prosper your word in the things that you sent your word to. Now, Lord, help us now to focus our hearts and our minds in on you. that we might hear what you have to say to us today. You said he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the church. Lord, we want you to speak. I want you to speak, Lord. I have nothing to say in and of myself that will make a difference in your people's lives. Lord, speak. Take control. Be in control. Move mightily by your spirit. Let your anointing rest upon us. That yokes will be destroyed and burdens removed our hearts and our minds will be open that we will have attentive ears and minds that the eyes of our understanding will be enlightened I decree and declare alertness in our spirits that no spirit of lethargy will come upon us I bind it in the name of Jesus I curse the spirit of sluggishness the spirit of sleepiness during this preaching moment. I curse every distraction in the name of Jesus. Anybody that would decide that they want to whisper, distract somebody else's attention, I curse that whispering spirit in the name of Jesus. I bind it and I decree and declare that we are attentive, that we honor you that we honor your presence, that we honor your word at this time and every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. In Acts chapter 2, that will be glory. After this, Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 1, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Our topic today is the Pentecost experience. It's what we need. It's what we need, the Pentecost experience. Amen? You may be seated. We do not need another day of Pentecost. In fact, we're not going to have another day of Pentecost. 
but we need the experience of Pentecost. And of course, we can have it because the Holy Spirit came to indwell believers on that day, and he is still very much alive, very present and very active, working in this world and in the lives of men and women, boys and girls. He is here. He has not gone anywhere. He's not been taken out of the way yet. He's not ceased working. He's not stopped performing miracles. Nor has he stopped saving to the uttermost those that come to Christ by him. He's still very present, moving mightily among those of us who believe and those who yield to him. It's a sad mistake for some to teach that what the Holy Spirit did on the day of Pentecost was a one-time thing, a one-time event, and that he does not move that way anymore. Because of this teaching, a whole lot of people in the church have stopped seeking and anticipating his presence and his power. But I came to announce to you today, uh, any of you who do not know that, that the Holy Spirit is alive and well. He's still active in this world. In fact, it's by his power and inspiration that the church is experiencing revival today. All over the world. Now, from your perspective, it may not seem like it, but I tell you, all over the world, the wind of the Holy Ghost is blowing and change is taking place in atmospheres, climates, and cultures. There is a prayer movement taking place throughout the world. Hallelujah. Yeah. God is bringing his people back to the place of prayer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And his word still stands. If my people will call by my name, would humble themselves and pray, and seek my face and turn from their wicked way, then will I hear from heaven, will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Believers are realizing this and are turning back to God in repentance and prayer. Yeah. The church was birthed in prayer. Yeah, on the day of Pentecost. Yeah, the scripture records that they were all joined together in prayer. Chapter 1, verse 14 of Acts. And as they were in that upper room, yeah, there were some other things they had to take care of, but they were all joined together in prayer. Now, it's important to note that it was not the prayer that birthed the church. All right. But it was, the, it was the disciples concentrated and coagulated in prayer that put them in the place that they needed to be to experience uh, this, this God-ordained, God-initiated, God-executed birth. The church in prayer. Concentrated and coagulated. Ooh, Lord have mercy. Now, not only, not only was the church birthed, but more importantly, the Holy Spirit came to dwell in this world and in the lives of believers. As we consider this, it's important to note that the day of Pentecost, which we're celebrating today, was not about miracles. It was not about Peter preaching it was not about the 120 in the upper room. The day of Pentecost is about what God is doing presently in the world in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's about the Holy Spirit being revealed and released unmistakably with great power and great glory in the earth realm. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, turn this down just a little bit up here. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, there came from heaven a sound 
like a mighty rushing or violent wind. Why did Luke specify sound? He did it because everyone heard the unmistakable sound. And that sound got their attention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that sound got their attention. I could do a whole sermon on sound, but I won't do that today. They did not see anything with their natural eyes, but they heard the sound, and then they, 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 they experienced the effect of this violent wind, making them know that it was not just a wind. Hallelujah. Hallelujah but that this was the spirit of the almighty God coming to dwell in them as he had promised. This was the power that they had been promised. Hallelujah. The experience that they had that day with the Holy Spirit changed their lives forever. Yeah. The experience they had that day with the Holy Spirit, changed their lives forever. They were already sold out to the Lord. They'd already given up everything. I mean, they might as well have because following Jesus was a dangerous thing. It's not dangerous for us in America to follow Jesus. No, not unless you're radical in your faith for the Lord, but most people in church are not radical. You know, no, it's not dangerous. Nobody's going to necessarily shoot you because you follow Jesus, but you're not going to lose your house because you follow Jesus. Uh, you might lose your job if you own the job testifying about Jesus, if you do it in the wrong way. But, but these people had already lost everything. They're giving up home, giving up job. Some of them maybe giving up families. They've, they've, they've lost their reputations and their associates just to follow Jesus. Not only that, but they were marked men and women. Yeah, that's why when, 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 when they were around the fire, Peter was standing there and one of the little girls said, weren't you one of them? They were marked men and women. Yeah, yeah, marked as followers of Jesus Christ. In a way, they were a spectacle. And they later would be falsely accused and killed because of their faith and obedience to Jesus Christ. Yet, it didn't matter. Didn't matter to them because they not only experienced the risen Christ, they had also on this day experienced the power of the spirit of the risen Christ just as he promised them. So it didn't matter that they lost everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, as, as I said earlier, we don't need another day of Pentecost, but we do need the Pentecostal experience. Uh, and, and as I was preparing the, preparing the message, I began to think about how, you know, we say, and, and there's a song, and I couldn't think of the words of the song, but, you know, you know what I've taught about that. But I, I, there's another song that says, Send the Pentecost. Uh, yeah, and, and, and you know, and, and I began to think about this, and I said to myself, we really don't know what we're asking for anyway because we're not going to do what they did to experience what they experienced. Yeah. Pentecost, first of all, uh, every male, Jewish male, was required to attend the Feast of Pentecost. So if we want another Pentecost, then every male had to be in worship this morning. <laughs> Amen. If we want it. We had to bring a sacrificial offering. Yeah, if we wanted it. If we wanted what they experienced. They stayed in that upper room for 10 days, praying, fasting, seeking God. We call a one-day fast, and it's difficult. Call a 10-day fast, and people start dying. So... So I don't know if we really want what they experience because we have to ask ourselves the question, if it were possible, would we be even willing to do what they did? Without questioning. 
without doubting what we'll be able to. But we don't need another day of Pentecost. We do need the Pentecostal experience. We need the infilling of the Holy Spirit. We need the power that he brings and the life that he, that he comes to live out in us. We need that today. Yeah, yeah, we need the times of refreshing that still comes from the Lord. And today is going to be one of those days. Somebody say today is going to be one of those days. Hallelujah. Glory to God. There's going to be glory after this. There's going to be a testimony after this. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm led to take a few minutes to talk to you about this Pentecost experience that we need and that is available for us today. For without this Pentecost experience, we will be like sails without wind. We'll be like clouds without water. Without this Pentecost experience, we'll be open sepulchres and empty tombs. Without this Pentecost experience, we'll be religious but have no meaning in life. Lord, have mercy. Without this Pentecost experience, we'll, be, we'll come to church and worship, but there'll be no change in our lives. Mm, 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 mm. We need, we need, we need, we need. We need this Pentecost experience so we'll start dealing with us and not them. Hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. We will not make the difference in this generation or this age that we will live in without the Pentecost experience. Hallelujah. And we will raise a generation, another generation, who have a form of godliness but don't have the power of a godly life. We ought to want our children to have the power of a godly life. And not just a form of godliness. Let's look at this just for a few moments and see what we can learn from this Pentecost experience and, 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 and really see why we need this experience in our lives. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what was happening? What happened on the day of Pentecost? What was involved in this Pentecost experience that drastically changed people's lives? What was the Holy Spirit doing? What was he orchestrating? What was he doing on that day? What is he still, that he will still orchestrate and still do today? What? Holy Spirit, we need you. We need your power. We need your orchestration today. Orchestrate, Holy Spirit, as only you can. As only you can. As only you can. You see, we, we have to be able to discern the difference. We have to be able to discern the difference between flesh and spirit. We have to be able to discern the difference between what we do and what he does. We have to be able to discern the difference. Well, when we look at this, one of the things we notice is that he orchestrated a time of spiritual renewal. Somebody say renewal. Renewal. I wrote revival at first, but, but I didn't want to use, the, I wasn't led to use the word revival. I said, Lord, what is it? And I went back over and as I was studying, the Lord showed me renewal. Renewal. Yeah, there were 120. They had obeyed the Lord Jesus and they'd gone back to the upper room and they were waiting for the promise of the Father. They were praying. They took care of some business that they need to take care of, but they were praying, they were worshiping, and they were waiting on the promise of the Father. But they had not been fully renewed. They had not been fully renewed. There was something else that needed to take place that would ensure their stamina. There was something else that needed to take place that would ensure their strength, that would ensure their endurance. The race is not given to the swift, nor is it given to the strong, but the race is given to the one that endures to the end. God says, I call the young because they're strong, but I call the old because they know the way. 
there's something about being on this journey for a long time and learning to endure through the power of the Holy Ghost. So I thank God for everybody that's in this congregation, you know. Some of y'all worried about the congregation getting old. Well, you keep living, you're going to get old. <laughs> Hallelujah. This church is not going to die. This church is going to live. But if we only had young people in the church, we'd be in trouble. Because young people don't give like stable old people give. Young people don't endure like stable old people endure. Because they have not learned it yet. You got to go through, glory to God. And you got to learn some things. And you find out that in the beginning of learning, you don't handle stuff too well. Nope, nope, nope. You don't handle stuff. You might come back. You might collect your thoughts. But when you're old and the wind blow you this way, you straighten back up. Hallelujah. And you know that if it, that it's nothing but the power of God that keeps you. Hallelujah. Yeah, endurance, endurance. There was something that needed to happen that day, hallelujah, that would give them the energy that they needed to always be ready to fulfill their calling and to embrace their election. So they could not just be in the upper room. They needed this promise of the Father. They couldn't just come to church in essence. They needed the promise, hallelujah, that would give them what they needed for the task that had been assigned to them. They needed this. Somebody say they needed, they needed this. It was not optional. Somebody say it was not optional. Hallelujah. Now, if you were in Bible study on Wednesday night, you know the distinction between the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And if you were not there and you don't know, then look it up. They needed this. They, 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 they needed to be endued with power from on high. They needed this spiritual renewal, this divine empowerment, this Holy Ghost filling. Hallelujah. Uh, it was required because they needed it. So what took place in the upper room was a time of spiritual renewal. Somebody say renewal. renewal. Yeah, yeah. A time of establishing a new order of life. A new order of life. A defining moment that was orchestrated by the Holy Spirit. So when they came out of that upper room, they were not the same. They were not the same. They didn't just go, excuse me, and have an experience and then go back and pick up the same old things that they were doing before they came out of the room. No, they didn't. That scared Peter, that frightened Peter, that, that denying Peter, that, 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 that Peter that was ready to fight in the up, before he went in the upper room, when he came out of the upper room, he was bold in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. He stood up and preached, and 3,000 souls were saved. Well, before he preached, he said, no, 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 no. I beg the difference with you. They are not drunk, as you suppose, but this is that which was spoken of by Joel. Prior to Pentecost, Peter would not have said it that way. He might have been ready to fight, but he wouldn't have said it that way. Hallelujah. It was a defining moment. Somebody say defining moment. What's been your defining moment in your relationship with Jesus? Has it been the infilling of the Holy Ghost? Because if it's been any other thing, then you need to have a real defining moment. Because the infilling of the Holy Ghost will temper everything else that you experience in your life. It will temper everything else that you experience in your life. Whatever trials come your way, whatever difficulties you face, whatever afflictions come your way, 
The infilling of the Holy Ghost tempers all of that. And you see everything from a different perspective. When you feel with the Holy Ghost, things don't seem so bad anymore. Hallelujah. Anyway, let me go on. They needed this. We need a time of spiritual renewal. We need a new order of life. We need a new order of life. We need a new order of life. And it's something that we cannot work up ourselves. We can't concoct this. We can't change this. We got to get this temperature right in here. Y'all have me sweating up here. We cannot concoct this. We cannot even mimic what took place on the day of Pentecost. We need the real thing. We need a time of refreshing to come from the Lord. We need to open ourselves up and receive what he has to give to us for his ministry to be accomplished in our lives. We need this renewal. We need, we, need, we need him to establish this new order of life in us. We tried to put new wine in old wineskins, and it's not working. I said we tried to put new wine in old wineskins, and it's not working. It's not working. Amen? It's not working. Mm-mm. Nope. Can I, you want me to give you some examples? You want me to be personal? You want me to talk about you? It's not working. It's not working. It's not working. It's not working. We need him to establish this new order of life and to fill us for the life and the task at hand. I'm reminded of Ezekiel. Reminded of Ezekiel. His vision of Israel is a valley of dry bones. Lying there lifeless. Yeah, breathless, unenergized, dead in the scorching sun. God asked Ezekiel a question. Son of man, can these bones live? Ezekiel said, oh Lord God, you know. And he said, prophesy unto the bones and tell the bones to hear the word of the Lord. And when Ezekiel prophesied to the bones, the Bible says the bones came together. Bones is bone, and they, they became a standing army. But that was not all that needed to take place because they didn't have any life in them. So God said to Ezekiel, prophesy to the winds and tell the winds to blow and tell the winds to blow breath into these slain symbol of the Holy Ghost that brought life so they were not just standing connected arm to arm, bone to bone. Now they had life. A lot of churches are dry bones. A lot of believers dry bones. But God is saying today these bones can live. These bones can live. You know, we, we, we are not helpless. We're not hopeless. We can live. We can live. We can live. We can live. Sometimes when you've gone through so much in life and in ministry, and, you know, we find pastors that have gone through so much that they're discouraged and they, they're ready to give up. They're like dry bones. They're like they have empty wells, you know. But the bones can live. Lord, send a refreshing Ah, send the refreshing wind of the Holy Ghost, hallelujah, to blow breath into these dry bones of ours, hallelujah. Send your presence, ah, send a flame of fire, ah, yes, 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 on their heads and in the lives of every Christian. Now, not only was this a time of spiritual re renewable, but that was also a time of sincere repentance, time of sincere repentance. Now, now repentance is not only Acknowledging that we're sorry for wrong done. Repentance is not just even apologizing. Repentance is being sorry, apologizing, and turning away 
from the wrong thing done or the wrong behavior to the right behavior. Amen? The original outpouring of, at Pentecost triggered a wave of repentance. Hallelujah. That resulted in 3,000 conversions. Yeah, Peter preached. He expounded on the experience that was taking place. But the preaching alone did not cause the repentance. 3,000 conversions. 3,000 people converted from their old way to a new way of life. 3,000 people converted from their old way to a new way of life. Converted. Somebody say converted. 3,000. This level of raw conviction is never the result of eloquent preaching. It's not. It's not the result of any stage event, nor is it the result of any programs that we can come up with. Only the Holy Spirit can do this. Are you hearing me? Only the Holy Spirit can do this. We need the Spirit of Almighty God to move today to accomplish this now. We can't do it. I can preach the most eloquent sermon in the world, but it will not bring about repentance alone. The most charismatic personality in the world cannot inspire repentance. The most ingenious person in the world cannot muster up enough ingenuity to bring about repentance. Only the Holy Spirit can. And the greatest miracle on earth occurs when a sinner's heart is broken. See, saints, a lot of times our hearts are not broken. We do wrong and we say, I'm sorry, but our hearts are not broken. Our hearts are not broken. We can be disrespectful in the church. Our hearts are not broken. We do the same thing over and over again because our hearts are not broken. We're not sorry. We'll fly in God's face with sin and then get on our knees and say, Lord, please forgive me because we're not sorry. Our hearts are not broken. Our hearts are not broken. It takes the Holy Spirit. It takes the Holy Spirit. There'll be a testimony after this. This is not going to be the most eloquent message. You're not going to run around the church because of this message. But there will be a testimony after this. Yeah. yeah. When a sinner's heart is broken before God, and that person opens up to God and is born again, Converted, transformed, saved. That's the greatest miracle in the world. That's the greatest miracle. And I tell you what, a lot of people in church are not saved. Because our hearts have never been broken. Before God, we will get embarrassed before people. And we'll be shamed before people, but we're not shamed before God. But a person that's really converted is because that person's heart breaks before God and opens himself up and is born again. That's the greatest miracle. God's not looking for us to say, I'm sorry for what I've done. He's looking for our hearts to break. That's why the Bible says godly sorrow worketh repentance that needeth not be repented of because when you're godly sorrow, sorry, do you know what you're doing? You're laying before God crying because you realize that you've done this evil in the sight of God. David said, I sinned against you. Against you only have I done this evil. He recognized it as evil. He didn't say it was a mistake. He said it was evil. 
The Holy Spirit has to do this. Preaching alone is not going to do it. No amount of praying can accomplish this. No amount of witnessing can accomplish this alone. Only the Holy Spirit can accomplish this. Holy Spirit, convict our hearts today. Convict our hearts today, Holy Spirit. Unleash a flood of conversions in this church, in this community, in this county, in this state. Lord, unleash a flood of conversions in the United States of America. And as sinners repent, let the backsliding Christians, disillusioned believers, and every weary saint return to you. God, do it for us today. Do it for your glory. There was also supernatural demonstration on the day of Pentecost. The flame of fire was supernatural demonstration. Everyone hearing them speak in their own language. Fifteen different nations were there. Just recognized. Just acknowledged there in this book of Acts. Everybody who heard them speak heard them in their own language. That's supernatural demonstration. Peter preaching with boldness was supernatural demonstration. 3,000 souls being saved, supernatural demonstration. It goes further to the men, Peter and John, going to the temple at the hour of prayer and this crippled beggar asking for alms but yet comes forth healed. That is supernatural demonstration. The person in power of the Holy Spirit, he's still here today performing supernatural demonstrations. He's not been taken out of the way. He's still moving. He's still working. He's still saving. He's still delivering. Today, the most damnable heresy that was ever concocted was the idea that God stopped doing miracles after the Bible was written. Man has placed a limit on God, and it's time for us to take, take the limits off. Man did it. God did not do it. God did not do it. We need the supernatural power of the Holy Ghost today. Well, ordinary people, you, not just a pastor, not just some prophet, but you, ordinary people, laying hands on the sick that they may recover, casting out devils, ordinary people, sick are healed, the dead are raised, ordinary people, Filled with the Holy Ghost. It was not just the 12 apostles that were in that upper room. There were 120 ordinary people who were filled with the Holy Ghost. Ordinary people. James Cleveland wrote a song a long time ago, God uses ordinary people. People just like you and me who are willing to do as he commands. Ordinary people. When is the last time you prayed for someone and laid hands on them that they may recover? When is the last time? When is the last time you've been to the, we can't get you to go to the nursing home. When is the last time you've been to the hospital to pray for somebody? When is the last time you went next door to pray for someone? When is the last time on your job you gave a word to somebody? When is the last time, young people, in school you gave a word to your friends? Ordinary people. Lord have mercy. Ordinary people. Yeah that God will use in supernatural demonstrations. What happened on the day of Pentecost was supernatural. Then there was bold evangelism. When the disciples were touched by the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, they declared the mighty deeds of God. Not just to the Jewish people, but to every ethnic group that was there. Fifteen different nations were there. They didn't care about the color of the people's skin. They just knew that they needed that these people needed to hear the gospel message. God wants to use us. That God has brought the world to the United States. 
There are, there are people in our communities from many nations around the world. How many times do we go to them and share the gospel message? Understanding that if we get somebody from Mexico saved and we share the gospel and they get saved, I'll say it like that, they are family back at home that this message is eventually going to get back there. Are you understanding what I'm saying? But they boldly proclaim the word of God. We need to boldly proclaim the word of God. There is no excuse for us. That's why we need this Pentecostal experience in our lives because the power of the Holy Ghost will give you boldness. The Holy Spirit will give you boldness. He'll cut or loose your stammering tongue. Oh, yes, he will. He will, he, will, he will bring back to your remembrance that word that you studied. Hallelujah. He will rise up in you at the time of need, and you'll find yourself speaking things that you never thought you could speak. Hallelujah. Times that you want to be silly, the Holy Ghost will make you be serious. Amen. Time you want to play around, the Holy Ghost will make you realize this ain't no playing time. Hallelujah. We need the, the, the boldness that the Holy Spirit will bring. The true anointing of the Holy Spirit always results in evangelism. Always. Always it results in evangelism. So I was coming to church yesterday morning, and I, and I, and I you know, I just had been praying about some things, and I had the radio on, and I said, no, I don't need to listen to the radio. I just need to pray. And so I started praying from my house all the way to church, just praying, 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 and shared with the men some things, and we talked about the breakfast, and I said, you know, and what we want to do, I said, the only way we're going to do this is that we have to make personal contact with people. People are not going to come just because we say we're having breakfast. People are not going to come just, somebody wrote, somebody said, build a building, and they will come. And that movie, they said, build it, and they'll come. And folks started coming when they built the stadium. Well, it's just not going to happen today. We got to make personal contact with people. And it takes boldness for you to go to somebody's house that you don't know and share the gospel with them. Or just go and say, is there anything that I can pray for you for? And it, it, it takes boldness that the, and the Holy Ghost will bring to your attention, you need to stop doing what you're doing right now, and you need to get up and you need to go here and you need to do this. So after I shared with the men what we needed to do when men's meetings were over and people were going their different ways and I went and did what I had to do and I got ready to go home and I said, no, I don't need to go home now. I need to go across the street and I need to talk to some people. So regardless of whatever else I had to do, I had to stop doing that to go do what the Lord said do. Because we can get involved in what we are doing and we leave the things of God undone. Because we're doing what we're doing. And there's enough time for us to do what we're doing and still do the work of God. Father, raise up laborers. Raise up laborers in this church. Raise up laborers in this community. Raise up laborers in every segment of American society. Because, you know, America now is the greatest evangelistic field in the world. Do you not realize that? That America now is the greatest evangelistic field. There are missionaries that are coming from other nations to evangelize American citizens. Why? Because the church in America, we've closed our doors. We've come inside. We feel that we get it on television. We feel that we should not share. We feel that we're going to offend somebody if we share Jesus. Lastly, and I'm going to wrap this up, the day of Pentecost. You know, I got a heart for our children, our young people. And I, 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 I put in extra time with our youth because I can see what's happening and see what's going on. Yeah. 
And I realize that there's only so far that I can go. That's why we need Pentecostal. We need this Pentecost experience. We don't need another day of Pentecost, but we need the Holy Ghost. You remember the word Peter preached that day? Peter said, This is that that was spoken of by the prophet Joel. In the last day, saith the Lord, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men will see visions. I want all our sons and daughters to stand up. Under 18. 18 and under. Stand up. All of them. Everybody. Parents, grandparents, uncles, aunts, look at your children. Look at them. The Pentecost experience was not just for the disciples in the upper room. Peter said, Joe prophesied that the spirit of the living God will be poured out on all flesh, on all people, that your sons and your daughters, that your sons and your daughters will receive this outpouring. That your sons and your daughters would receive this outpouring. That your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. That your young men shall see visions. The promise, see, wasn't not just what took place on the day of Pentecost, but there was a promise that was given on the day of Pentecost. And, and, and God is a God of promises. Look at me. God is a God of promises. God watches over his word to perform his word. I know the devil has come at you. Sometimes we as adults, we're so foolish, we don't realize that the devil is coming at you. Sometimes we get so caught up in our own thing, in our own lives, that we don't realize that the devil is coming at our seed. But a promise has been made by the God who keeps his word. A promise that there would be prophets and prophetesses. Holy Ghost filled prophets and prophetesses that will flow in the things of God and speak the oracles of God. Young men who will see in the realm of the spirit. The things that God wants seen and the things that God wants proclaimed. So I decree and declare today that those of you who are standing here, the devil will not have you. That there is an outpouring of the Holy Ghost I need some people praying in tongues right now. That there is a mighty outpouring of the Holy Ghost that's going to take place in your lives. There's going to be a testimony after this. Some of you, when you were little, you received the infilling of the Holy Ghost. And you've not spoken in tongues for many, many years because you've not allowed the refreshing to take place in your life. I need some praying saints in here. And since that time, the devil has been up one side of you and down the other. 
The devil has taken you through so many things, even as teenagers, just not reaching 18. Some of you not even gotten there yet. The devil has had a field day in your life. Because you stop going after the things of God. And maybe we as parents stop making you seek the things of God or stop living right before you. Stop teaching the things we should have been teaching before you. Maybe, maybe it's a lot of it's our fault. But I came to decree to you today on this day of Pentecost, this day of spiritual renewal, this day of supernatural demonstration. I, if, I don't, if nobody else gets anything today, if everybody over 18 goes, here, goes from here empty today, if everybody else in here over 18 feel like they wasted their time coming to worship today, I decree and declare over every one of you that there's going to be a mighty outpouring of the Spirit of Almighty God over your lives and in your lives, that the spirit of prophecy is going to come over you, that you're going to be used by God in supernatural ways. Hallelujah. There's going to be a super, supernatural demonstrations that will come forth in your lives in the mighty name of Jesus, that the boldness of the Holy Ghost is going to come over you and it's going to overshadow you and go uh, empower you and you're going to begin to speak. Lift up your head, young man, and look at me, that you're going to begin to speak the things of God that you've never spoken before. Young lady, that you're going to run after God like you've never run after him before. That there's going to be a desire, a burning desire for God in your life that you've never had before. God, we need the power of the Holy Ghost. Lift up your hands all over the sanctuary. Stand to your feet and just lift your hands.